0: Hey everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. Where's the
1: breaking point for a technician? The point at which they decide they don't want to work for you any longer, and they're going to go out on their own. In this episode, Lucas and I sit down with former tech and now owner of Elite Automotive Solutions in Fort Smith, Arkansas, Zach McLean. Zach talks about the breaking point for him, which serves as a cautionary tale for every shop on what to do and what not to do with new hires. We recorded this live at Vision High Tech Training and Expo in Kansas City alongside ASOG's founder, Scott Palava. Before we get started, if you're on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you set it to automatically download the latest episode when it drops. And make sure you check out our content on YouTube. All you have to do, search ASOG Podcast. And now, here we go.
2: Why are you spreading rumors about your employees to other employees? And not rumors, just I would talk about things that would happen. And I, as time went on, I realized I didn't need to do that. Okay. I was I was you trying pull, to pull
1: up the video. I'm going to.
2: I was trying to justify justify my position
0: of yeah. why I did things. And well, and I mean, it's d- easy to do that. It's easy. It's easy to get into a situation. And and like you know, you go through life and you you like make one decision, mm-hmm. and then you some not that you have to justify the next decision. But, but you say or do something, and it, it paves that mental pathway to the next step. And then it paves the pathway to the next step. And, you know, that was something you talked about just the other day, was you're talking about, you know, the 10% here, the 10% here, and everybody else in the middle. And, like, I, I really believe that if you start doing things that are unethical or you start doing things that take you in one direction, well, that didn't cause a consequence. So I can nudge it a little keep, bit further. Pushing, and that pushing didn't, that yeah. envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And eventually it gets you. Yeah. Eventually it gets you. All right, Zach. Hi. Okay. So what I think we should do, he has creative control, so we're going to ask him. What? Do you want to let him tell his story? You want to start this by letting him tell his story, what his experience has been? Do you want to start this as a discussion? He's got a really interesting story.
3: He's got, Go ahead. Yeah. Tell th- So let me give you cliff notes. I was an instructor. I taught automotive at a university in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Um, my wife had a corporate job. She was getting trained in this corporate job to, of course, move up the ladder. And part of moving up the ladder was you had to relocate. Relocated in North Carolina. That's where I met Lucas. It was mm-hmm. an awesome time in a lot of yep. ways. Met a good friend, Isaac, there. Uh, apprenticed under a locksmith, learned some locksmithing skills. You know, I translated those automotive skills to locksmithing and taught him some things and he taught me some then i moved back home i had to get back home to arkansas and when i got there i worked for a shop that didn't fit me and i had a really bad taste in my mouth for the automotive industry right so i decided the solution i need to start my own business and so i went mobile And that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about was how I went from being a teacher and a technician, moving away, leaving the industry for a while, learning some new skills, coming back and saying, hey, you know, I want to stay in the industry. I want to continue to be a technician. And then one bad experience making me decide I wanted to start my own business and how it may not be the best solution for everybody starting. Definitely.
0: And and so I would ask that we talk, we add a little bit in here because I think it's important. Mm -hmm. I think. We need to also discuss a little bit about the bad experience because shops can learn from that. Yeah. We got a message the other day from a shop owner, and he said – he's actually here this weekend. And he said, look, he said, y'all talk a lot about what shop owners do wrong. I want to hear what I need to do to be better. I want to know – like I want to hear from a text perspective like what I could have done differently. Right, And it wasn't that he was criticizing the content. He didn't mean it like that. What he was saying was "Is like, man, I see I've done some of these things. How can I right the ship? How can I steer in a different direction? So I think you having the opportunity to tell this story and talk a little bit about some of the – definitely don't use names or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity to speak a little bit about some of the things that happened that left you with that bad taste in your mouth. And what a shop owner could have done differently or a way that after it happened, they could have come back and said, hey, I'm really sorry about this. Here's what we need to do.
3: Okay. So I guess we'll start out with the onboarding, right? That's that corporate terminology because I've worked – I worked for a corporate place once. And when you bring an employee on, you have to train them, right? That's that's anywhere. It doesn't matter if you're starting at the lowest levels of automotive. You're CEO. There's a process. You have to learn the process of the business. And in our industry – We live in chaos a lot, right? You open the the shop at 8, and there's just people pouring in, and everybody's running around like chicken with their head cut off. And the onboarding process was non-existent. They talked a lot about here's a process, here's how we do things. That's awesome. They had some amazing processes from the outside looking in, but when you're a technician, you're dropped in, and your feet are held to the fire, you don't know process. It creates confusion, frustration. It upsets that technician who's new. It upsets the current employees, and it creates tension before you ever start. So, on.
1: So, they had processes in place already. They just didn't tell
3: you what the processes were? So, I wasn't provided like a, a written example of a process. You know, like, hey, this is the. Did written. they have them written? Because uh,
1: 99% like of shops don't write anything down.
3: I would agree with you because I've never seen them written in a shop environment, but they said they had them written and okay. I was never provided them. I wasn't. So
1: they didn't hand you a manual and said, hey, figure this out.
3: We had an employee manual, but there was no like definite step one of r- getting a repair order. Step two, it wasn't written. Well, that
1: sounds like a policy manual. Not it, yeah. it,
3: it wasn't. So the, the point I was trying to make is I wasn't, you know, handheld for lack of a better term and said, this yeah. is our process. Make sure you follow.
1: Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now
0: Click the link in the show notes to get started.
3: This process, because it creates the easiest, you know, situation for everybody involved. It makes you more efficient, helps us generate more revenue and take better care of the customer. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And so I was just dropped in. And because of my experience level, you know, I have ASC certifications. I've been in the industry almost 10 years. It's just expected that I would know what to do, right? But every shop's different. You know, everyone has a different parts process. Everyone has a different dispatching process. And when I've, you know, learned one way and I'm never shown very step-by-step step in a granular way how you do it, it created a lot of friction.
0: Yeah, right? and it, it it's almost making me feel anxious thinking about it, right? Like I'm putting myself in your shoes saying if I was in a shop and I got put into that scenario, dude, that would make me anxious. Like Because I'm that's angry. every shop. I understand that, but I'm just saying, like I'm thinking about if – What ends up happening? They hire the guy. The
1: guy either like takes it and runs with it because – they don't have any kind of established process at all. So when the person comes in and does a process like this is the way we did it at my old shop, and so they just run with it, and it's it has good good outcomes. Yeah. Right, the shop owner falls in love, and he's like, oh, the 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 post we had the other day with the service advisor that was. I've sold more work today than we've ever sold before and I just oh, hired a new service man. advisor that yeah. with zero training. Yeah. With zero training yep. provided. Mm-hmm. Okay. That shop didn't provide any processes, nothing. The guy just had experience and he said, yeah, okay. I, yeah. He had a knack for it and he just ran with it. Right. Because the shop owner has no, no idea. Like they haven't written anything down. They don't have anything. But you walked into a shop that actually had processes in place. They just didn't. Communicate them. Well,
0: but but so let, let's talk about how that – Which
1: doesn't make any sense, by the way. Because yeah. if you're going to go through the process of writing everything
0: out, well, why wouldn't you share that? That's what I'm asking everybody to do. I want everybody that's listening to this put themselves in, in Zach's shoes. Like that – I mean you're anxious. You're starting a new job. Mm-hmm. You've never worked here before. You don't know if your, your teammates are going to like you. You don't know if this is going to be a good fit. You don't know when do I take lunch, what do I do yeah but Man. see like
1: a brand new shop or a brand new employee walks into a shop and they'll process this. they're gonna ask like, yeah. hey, where do you want me to put the keys I, Wh-
0: when do you want me to pull the car in what what do you want me to do first you're you're what you're missing what I'm trying to encompass here. What I'm trying to say is that we've got a technician shortage, supposedly, right? Think about, would you want to work in a shop if that was the first experience you got? How would you feel if you were
2: set up to fail right out of the shoot?
0: And and like, so in our shop, you know how I do it. Like I take them and they, they work with the service advisor one day, then they move to the, the lead technician. They work with him one day, then they go see somebody else's process and we work together. And then we sit down, we talk like, okay, we could do this. Hey, his bay's not going to work for this. We should try this. And okay, great. Like, and then at the end of a a few days, we sit down and we talk like, okay, that didn't work. Hang on. Let's do something different because it changes, right? The dynamic changes. You bring somebody Mm -hmm. else in, you change the shop. My point is, is is you're exactly right. I'm not trying to take away from what you're saying. I'm trying to say that if you're listening to this, listen to what Zach said and put yourself in those shoes. That would suck. I'm not saying that all shops aren't like this, and I'm not saying that, that they wouldn't do what you're talking about. I'm saying if you put yourself in his shoes, especially imagine you're a young tech and you go into a shop and you start this way. You have huge anxiety. You, you already have anxiety. This I goes... Yeah,
3: it takes it off the top.
1: So I'm just curious, like you walk in and would they hand you just the first work order, and they're like, "Go."
3: For the most part, yeah, they just drop me in and baptism by fire, right? And and to to a point, like when I started my own business, is how I did it. I just went out and learned that there, there is value in making mistakes and learning. Yeah. However, when you don't do a very thorough onboarding process, you create resentment, right? And I I've been reading relationship books, you know, and things. Is it because
1: I've, they were they were criticizing or reprimanding because you were making mistakes when?
3: There there was some of that. There okay. was some you know verbal criticism that. Come on, I could didn't have know been, you
1: didn't you, you
2: didn't know to do that and.
3: Yeah, I'm not no, going to no, get into do too no, too that, much that, detail. That attitude of come on, why would you have done it that way? You're supposed to be a master technician. Why don't you exactly mm-hmm. expectations versus reality. And it builds resentment. I started to build up resentment. I can guarantee that there was resentment from the ownership side, right? Like, why don't you know this? Why, you said you were, you know, blank. There's a, that, you know, expectation when you start that position. We, yeah. This is what we expect a, quote, A-tech or B-tech to be, right? And there's no definition. We don't have an SAE manual to open up A-tech as X, Y, Z. Right. That's so right. there's resentment. And now both parties involved are upset with each other. And it, it starts you both off in a negative way. Yeah. And it just poisons what could have been such a great relationship from the outset. And that's not all that happened, but that felt like one of the first, you know, nails in the coffin, so to speak. So onboarding.
0: Yeah. So walk us through the next part of the process. What was the next thing that, that, you know, just tore you down
3: a little bit more? I mean, what? So let me preface this by saying there was not a lack of effort involved in this, but due to shortages from COVID, it was very hard to source a lift and all the other all the other technicians had a two post lift, right? And I had an old worn out four post lift. And mm-hmm. they made an effort. They provided me a lift. I wasn't working in a flat, but it, it felt like I was already at a disadvantage, right? And I hate that, you know, term fair. It's not fair. You know, we're yeah. we're adults. This is real life. Stuff happens.
1: Did they have your own flat rate?
3: Pay plan was a hybrid. I was a commission incentive, but I got a base pay no matter what. Because I had that negotiated from the outset. And I, I have to give it to the owners. They were very generous in my pay plan. And I, I think it was exceptional. However, I was incentivized to produce work. That that was part of the pay plan.
1: But they stuck you on a four post.
3: They stuck me on a four post. And I I felt almost like, what the heck, man? I'm here to be incentivized. Like I, I want to produce work. You know, I want to do quality work, first of all. But mm-hmm. number two, I want to produce work. I want to be a killer tech. Yeah. And I, I had just come from... Not being a tech, and I I wanted to get into it and, you know, take it head on. And it just, it, that was strike two, right? I was like, man, I'm at a disadvantage. And of of course, there was always things that moved around. I would use a two post lift if I had to, to do suspension work because you couldn't accomplish it. But then I took away from one of my coworkers. Yeah. And now I'm taking their bay. And my toolbox and cart was over in that other spot. I had to fill the cart up with tools and ride it across. Yeah, Yeah. And then I'm taking their bay from them. And there's, there's friction now between your coworkers, not just your management slash ownership. And my coworkers were were exceptional people. I still talk to them. Heck, some of them are here at vision because they moved to other shops as well. But I mean, it's, it was just strike number two, so to speak. Yeah. And I I don't want to beat up on the owners because they truly were making an effort to get a a two post lift and they told me about it, but it just, you know, strike one, strike two back to back. I just felt like the cards were stacked against me, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Do you feel that they thought they were doing what was right?
3: You know, I I hate to try to assume what they were thinking or feeling, but I feel as though they thought they were making their best effort. That you know, hey, we've provided you the best we can. Do with it what you can. So I'm not again. I'm not trying to beat up on them.
2: It it wasn't. They weren't. They obviously they wanted you there to make money for them. Yeah. Otherwise, there was no sense in paying you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what was strike three? Or do we have more than three strikes?
3: There was little things, but that's just typical workplace banner, right? I'm, I'm, not right. Going to, I'm not going to talk about little things that we could all improve on as an industry to be more professional, because yeah. that's little stuff we all do day in and day out. The strike three was definitely a waiter dieck,
0: okay. Two
3: words that should never be together. I see, see David shaking his head. Yeah. yeah. So I've, s-
0: I'm, I've heard this story. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to preface for everybody. I've heard this story. And it makes me feel really bad for you that you had to go through what you went through, right? I, you've told me the story. I can tell you right now, it wouldn't happen in my shop. Oh, but don't, no, don't kill on, it! Don't on. kill I'm it! I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But what I want to say is, shop owners better listen up because I've heard a lot of shop owners talk about doing exactly what he's getting ready to talk Waiter about. Waiter Diags? Oh, uh, let him. It let gets him, worse. Let like him I tell I, the story. <laughs> let him tell the story.
3: So, I'll, I'm telling this by memory, guys. I don't have it written down. This was a. A very bad day, and I mm-hmm. was very upset. So there are many mistake details. I have to re- you know, come back and get the order yeah. correct. But it started out with a hybrid Toyota, and it wasn't a Prius. I want to say it was a Camry or a Corolla, and it had a, a lack of cooling complaint. It was an AC system complaint. So what's the first step in a diagnostic process? Confirm Fair. complaint. Fair. Verify. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I bring it in, and sure enough, not cooling. You know, the fan's blowing, but there's no cool feel in the vents. So – Second step, in my diagnostic process, I pre-scan everything. I don't care what – pre-scan the world is my new phrase. I pre-scan everything. So I I scanned it, and I found some fault codes, some that were related to the hybrid system. And I do believe there was an AC system fault code for overheating of of a component. I want to say it was like an inverter. But – I found those fault codes. I went and looked up service information, trying to find, is there bulletins? You know, I'm checking the basics, right? Yeah. I want to cover all the bases before I progress further. So I went in and checked the service info. I found a failure to start code. And funny enough, Isaac Brody, so I'm, I'm calling you out. I worked <laughs> with him and, and learned a little bit about, yeah. about hybrids, especially the, the Prius system, and recognized one of the codes as, as being related to an, another issue. Right. So we'll progress, and I'll circle back to that in a moment. So as I'm going through my routine, the next step I love to do is a visual, right? I have caught more problems with these two things in my face than almost any other tool just by doing a simple visual inspection, right? Yes, absolutely. So this shop also had a multi-point inspection system, which I love MPIs. I used to hate them, but I truly understand the value in them. And as I was doing my MPI, I noticed some things. We were low on coolant. And there was two coolant reservoirs, one for the hybrid system and then one for the engine. It was the engine that was low. So I was inspecting the entire cooling system underneath the vehicle during my MPI. I didn't find any residue. I didn't find any visual indicators of a leak. So where is that leading us? Like, I hate to jump ahead, but where are we in our head if we don't see a leak? Typically an internal consumption. Consumption. So I lower the vehicle back down and I try to check pressures. But the code inhibited the vehicle from running the compressor. So I had to use my scan tool, bidirectionally control it, and I had extremely low, low side pressures. It was almost going into a vacuum. High side pressures weren't very high. Mm, right. Indicating most likely the low charge condition, right? Mm-hmm. I, I hate to assume car- charge just based on pressures, but I was, I yeah, was leading. Yeah, we had
0: evidence. We had, yeah. we had base evidence yeah. that was <clears throat> giving some direction.
3: And throughout this time, I had my service advisor coming out because remember, what was the first awful word? Waiter. 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 What do you got? Yeah.
2: They're waiting. They're waiting. They're tapping so their toe.
3: Service advisor was yeah. coming back and forth and back and forth. And I was relaying, you know, my updates. Hey, this is what I'm finding. This is what I'm seeing. And I, I mentioned to her, I said, ask the customers if this thing ever, you know, has a hard time starting in the morning. Uh, has anyone ever seen the Prius head gasket issues? Oh, where they, yeah. Yeah. And they stutter real bad and they don't want to start. Yep. You never want to just say, oh, I've seen this before. Pattern failure. But yeah. all the boxes were being ticked.
0: Yeah, right? definitely. Kind of fillers are um, great. What are you talking uh, about? Well, I mean, that was the first thing I was thinking about as you told me this story originally. I mean, Terry that works for me, he's got a Prius, and it's had a blown head gasket over the past 50,000 Is that a thing miles. on Prius? Yeah. And really? Yeah. What years?
3: Uh, it's, what is it, the third gen? I'm not a yeah. Toyota guy. We need we need a PJ Walter. Call him. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty PJ. sure it's third gen. But he told me, I want to say there's a difference in engines between the Prius itself and this this other Toyota that I was working on. but. The this generation of four cylinder apparently has a really big issue, especially in the Priuses with head gasket issues. So I, I was relaying this to the service advisor, like asking, trying to get more info, because what do you get on your repair order? One sentence. Yeah. Customer yeah. complains, poor cooling performance. Yeah. You know? So I'm I'm trying to extract information from my service service advisor, diagnose, the pressure's on, you know, you tick, talk, tick, talk. Yeah. You get a one hour. 1 hour and now we have multiple things that are related the cooling systems related to the HVAC system right yeah definitely, definitely. Uh-huh. so as i progress no coolant in the radiator i pressure test the system no leaks and i'm basically run out of my hour and i say hey i need more diag time and there's one thing that i've missed in my 1 hour has anyone thought of a, a thing that i've missed as far as checking basics What should come on when you turn the AC on that's right behind the Cooling fan. Fans. So I'm scrambling right here at the last hour. I'm like, oh, no, I need to check the fans. Bidirectionally control them. Nothing happens. Take my test light out, and I'm in a scramble trying to get it done. Lights up a test light, so I plugged it back in and hammer. Tap, tap on the fans. They started working. Fans are bad. So we've got three separate issues that are all involved, right? We've got a cooling fan that's inoperative. We have low coolant that we're this current moment we can assume is possibly being burned in the engine, maybe it yep. overheated due mm-hmm. to lack of cooling yep. fan. Yeah. So we still have low charge. Yeah. So all three of these are possibly related. And I now have to somehow communicate to my service advisor, hey, I need more time. These are all possibly related. It could have been root cause failure. We had a, you know, lack of cooling fan, overheated the over pressured yeah. the AC <laughs> system. Yeah. And it was all related, but how do I tell? You know? Yeah. Tick, talk. Tick-tock. Yep. and then the worst happens. Owner walks out, and guess who's behind the owner? The shop owner, in this case, customer, vehicle owner. So here I am, ah, I'm freaking out. My hour's almost over. I'm really struggling, right? And now have you I have, done
1: all this in one hour?
3: Yeah, I was a little over an hour. I want to say it was like an hour and twenty, but that included like getting the repair order, walking yeah, out, and doing, your DVI. Yeah, doing the yeah. you know round the vehicle inspection in an hour. I was. I'm
0: very plus. slow and, technicians, and, by and, the way. Listen, and the other thing that, that's about half a day right there. I'm, I'm, I think the other thing to notice here is look at how much emphasis he's putting on the hour. On the time, yeah. Look, look at, right? Like, yeah. He's making me anxious the way he's talking about, about it, how much right. time he put into that. I know. And and so, like, you know, we. My butthole's puckering. It makes me think about it. It's true. But, but, you know, like, Labor Matrix. Are, are we talking with the tech and going to them and saying, like, so my guys, you can ask Terry, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we found like eight or 10 hours that Terry could have built. And he's like, why are you fussing about the hours? I'm like, I'm not fussing about the hours. I'm fussing because you didn't come talk to me and let me get you the time you needed. So you got paid for it. Like, why didn't you come talk to me? And, and so like, I don't have enough focus on hours and you're like really focused on that hour. So continue. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just. Oh, it's.
3: You're, you're getting to the heart of the point, right? I took a service advisor class yesterday, and I understand even more so now why it's so critical to be sensitive of time. But the owner walks out, shop owner that is, with the vehicle owner. I need to probably find different terminology. But <laughs> I am now trying to recharge the system because they had approved the recharge during all of this. Like, hey, yeah, go ahead and top it off. You know, Our AC service is X dollar. So I'm topping it off to verify that it was just a low charge condition so we can try to do a root cause analysis, figure out what the original fault was, check for leaks, etc. And here I got an AC machine running and it's trying to push refrigerant in. I'm trying to purge the lines and I have to run the cooling fans to help cool the system so I can actually check vent temps to see if it's working. So I'm tapping on a fan with a screwdriver handle trying to get it to work because they're cycling. Owner's standing there driver of the vehicle standing there. And I'm trying to explain all of this. And I'm not one to, you know, not speak technically. So I'm speaking in a technical manner to this customer and the customer's like, hold up. Like, I don't understand what you're saying. And I had to step back, rewind multiple times and try to explain why I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing, what I have found. And he thinks we're taking him for a ride. The customer? Yeah. The customer's like, what do you mean? And on the you know, vehicle inspection, the cabin filter was nasty. And he's like, what do you mean I have a nasty filter? I was like, yeah, hey, your cabin filter, it's dirty. And I took pictures of it because I, I take pictures of everything. And he's right. like, I just had that replaced last week. Turns out he meant his en- engineer filter, but the customer didn't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how am I supposed to empower and inform my customer when mm-hmm. he's standing there skeptical of me? I have the shop owner standing there. I'm trying to complete my job, and it was just a disaster. And I was all visibly upset, right? Because I'm already anxious. I've got a customer questioning me. I have the shop owner questioning me. They were asking me questions about my diagnostic process like, why are you doing this? Why haven't you done this test? Why haven't you done that test? In front of the customer? Oh, yeah. And in um, front of the customer? Stuff happens, right? We're all human, we all make mistakes. I'm not I'm not trying to drag anybody. Yeah, but they, gave me, they, dude, the they, they, they gave me the You don't do
1: that the, in the, front the, of the customer. They
2: undermine the credibility, your credibility, but ultimately. But it's their, their own credibility. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's their yeah. credibility. Yeah. They, they get, don't need
1: dude, to see what's mm-hmm. going on. If I come out and I start asking you why haven't you run this test? Why didn't you do this? That's a me and you thing. I'm not gonna go put in front of the customer and be like, hey, by the way, I hired an incompetent technician. I'm gonna show you and start questioning what you're doing. That's insane.
3: Yeah, and I just I felt terrible about the whole situation, right? Because now I'm feeling like, oh man, what did I do wrong? The customer's upset. Obviously the shop owner's upset. Everybody was upset. What who benefited from that situation? Nobody, Nobody right? To have the customer come out? That the didn't didn't whole situation, a waiter sense. diag, the customer in the shop by a technician, yeah, it, it, the service it, it advisor it having into a poor a complaint.
0: It, 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 listen, the, w- the way I envision this, as you're telling it, is it, it was like every bad choice that could have been made. Was made. Was made and backed y'all into a corner. I'm
1: not going to say that we're not going to take a waiter diag. If the customer absolutely insists, we would have had them come in. You would have done a DVI. You would have looked the vehicle over. You would have said i low on coolant. Uh, I think we have a low charge situation. And yeah, it's not cooling. Then we would have come back out to the customer and it would have been, uh, where are we going to Uber you? Or you're driving this thing out of here with us not diagnosing it. And that would have been the ultimatum. Like, you can't leave this here. You either have to leave this here and we need to go through our process or you need to drive away because we're not going to have you wait for the next two to three hours while we
0: try to figure out what's going on with the car. Shop owners are terrified of that, right? Go remember the review. Of doing that. Remember the What I just
3: said? Yeah. Why? That's the only thing that makes sense. So, Matt, may I wrap this up? Because you're getting to a point that is actually related to this story. The shop I worked at, in their credit, did attempt to try to get this customer to leave the vehicle. But they were insistent upon a waiter Diag. Like, I'm not leaving. I want it done right now. They also had loaner cars. Good on them. Like, they own these loaner cars. Yeah. That was one of the reasons I wanted to work for them was because I was like, wow, they in, they want to invest in getting the customer out of here yeah. so that yeah. we can take the best care of their vehicle, they can have the least inconvenience, and everybody wins. Yeah. But this customer was insistent that it was a waiter. Yeah, I would
1: have just handed the car back, though.
3: Yeah. That they, well,
0: they didn't they, they didn't qualify the client.
1: One. No, no, no. But if they had – that conversation is going happen, is not going to happen on the phone. Because even if they're insistent on yeah, I really do want to get it checked out and stuff like that, because sometimes it is something simple. It could have been something stupid. It could have been a fuse. It could have been just you know just something really benign. It could have been. It could have been. And we have no idea. Fans
2: and it comes to life, and then you know it's a it was a simple enough. But he had three things. It could have been. Are you
1: interrupting me? Who is this person? Yeah. Who let him in? Anyway, I never left. (laughs) I'm I'm just saying it could have been something very simple that had they come in, we would have been able to look at it because that leaves a bad taste in the customer's mouth too. Like they called, we called up, we wanted to get in, we wanted you to diagnose it. You wouldn't even give me the time of day because I wouldn't leave it. And it turns out
0: it was just something stupid, something unplugged. I understand. But but so here, here's what I've done is I've developed a process in my shop that when this happens, I just explain to them typically to do the quality review that i would like to have your automobile it's going to take me between three and four hours yeah i would have told them two to three hours on the phone so you can come in
1: to to do the Mm -hmm. the waiting but it's two to three hours waiting two to three hours to figure out what's wrong with the car you said that's just the start we could go down a a deeper path where it ends up taking even longer and they go oh okay well i'm just going to go ahead and wait
0: anyway right so this is service advisor ability Right? This is the way that we frame the question to the client. This is the way we qualify the client. Now, listen, if somebody says, I'm not dropping my car off, I, right? 90% of the time, like if you dig into that conversation, I don't trust shops. I'm worried they're going to do something shady. I'm worried they're going to do this. I'm worried they're going to do the, that.
1: Yeah, at that point, there, at that, if it starts with that kind of level of trust, we have a four star review at our shop. The customer had come in. For they had just had a different shop do a whole bunch of AC work, like the full shebang, right? It was Subaru. They bring it to us, and everything looked okay. It was completely out of refrigerant. So we told them. We said, hey, we're going to fill this thing back up. We're going to put UV dye in it. And whenever it's going to at some point run out, when it starts blowing warm, give us a call. We'll check it back out. No extra charge. A recheck, right? So we charge them up front for the diagnosis. And we, had, you know, something one hundred seventy or something, whatever. And we, we recharge the system. So he calls back. Are you falling asleep? No, no. I'm. I'm Are you okay? I am absolutely. He's fantastic. freaking me out. We shouldn't have him back on. He's terrible. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, so we. He calls up and he's like, "Hey, I'm out of refrigerant." It's like, "Okay. Well, when do you want to drop it off?" No, no I want to wait. Uh no. We we can get you in a loaner. No, no, I don't want a loaner. I I want to wait. That's not going to work, man. I'm sorry. He's like, well, the only day I can do it is like this Tuesday or whatever. It's like, okay, we're not going to have a loaner that Tuesday. We have a loaner right now, or we're going to have to schedule a different day. And it went back and forth like that. He ends up he had left us a five star review. Super nice guy. Bumps it down to four star and he goes. Apparently he they don't have time for rechecks or he framed it like that or whatever. But it was, it was an, a, we had drawn a line in the sand, and said, I'm sorry, like, I get that you want us to just jump on it and immediately check this thing out. It's not a safety issue. It's a convenience or a comfort issue, right? We're willing to accommodate you as best we can, as best we can, but we do have other customers that are, have safety related issues or they don't have a car or whatever. We're willing to put you on a loaner, but you need to work with us here. It can't just be on your terms only.
0: Well and and so we've got to be what what is the service advisor's job? It's to it's to bring the the emotion, it's to bring the feeling, it's to bring the the needs of the client to a digestible level for the shop. It's the technician's job to bring the technical needs of the automobile to a digestible level to the service advisor and have us in a position where we can work in synchrony, right? I mean, that's what the service advisor does. That they, they, they bring these two sides together and get them to where we can work with it. If a service advisor is feeling that emotion, right? If you're emotionally intelligent with the person you're working with, you're feeling that. And you're moving the situation back and forth and getting that situation to where it needs to be. We've made that mistake. Right? And, and what thing, The waiting diag? Not waiting diag. We've made the mistake of not setting proper expectations or having somebody that expect happen. that it's yeah. going to come back and we, we were going to do this instead of that. And, you know, the oil change coupon. Right? Nobody read him the right way when he was on the phone. Now, this oil change is for blah, 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 and it's for this much. Yeah. You, you automatically, should have known. Like, all he's worried about is it being exactly that price. He doesn't understand. He didn't read the terms and conditions. He didn't. Right. So it's our job as a service advisor to be emotionally aware of our client, be emotionally aware of the, the other staff.
1: That's a good point. If we had, if we had outlined saying, when you come back in, you're going to need to leave it with us so we can properly diagnose this leak and we'll get you in a loaner as best we can. It's not going to be, we're going to drop everything and
0: immediately jump on it. Because that that's in, in his mind, that's what you said. Yeah, I know. So, so obviously what happened next, Zach?
3: So after that, blow up so to speak that very that negative
0: day. interaction
3: yeah. with the the customer the owner the service advisor me the car i went to lunch and during lunch i could overhear someone in ownership talking about me to another employee and guys i'm, I'm a technician right and we all have different personalities but a lot of technicians have pretty short tempers and when i heard criticism of me spoken to another employee rather than directly to me, I was pretty upset. I was pretty yeah. hot, right? And had I not been trying to be more professional, it probably would have been leave at that moment, go home and get my pickup truck, come back. Get the toolbox. Put the toolbox in it yeah. and leave. Okay? Yeah. But I decided, all right, you know, whatever. Head up, keep going. Finish that day out. Spoke to a few friends in industry. Some had different advice than others, but the overwhelming majority was, hey, if it's not a right fit, get out now. Yeah. And the next day, I guess you'd count this as strike four, we had a meeting with the whole shop in the beginning of the day where we discussed. And criticism of other employees was involved because other employees had, quote, made mistakes. And then criticism of me was involved and had it been framed a little differently where it didn't seem almost confrontational maybe i would have taken it a little differently
0: right right in other words if it came from hey let's work as a team what could we have done how could we have done this what you know and and you know what is it extreme ownership where they talk about coming in and throwing all the rank badges on the table and we're we're going to work as a team to figure out it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what rank you are. We're we're all guilty of mistakes. We're all going to work together to fix it. Yeah. So the meeting was to.
3: It was like the morning huddle, so to speak, right? During the morning huddle, typically we'd go over, you know, Hey, Zach's going to do this today. You know, so-and-so is going to do that today. But instead of just that, they were like, okay, next step, everyone sit down. And then we had a discussion about so-and-so not putting the parts back in the right place. And so so they they were calling out individuals. Basically. Yes. It wasn't, Hey team,
1: in a shop meeting?
3: Yeah. Hey, team, we've noticed that people aren't putting tool, you know, tools back in the tool cabinet or this. It was, you know, Joe Blow isn't doing this and Jane Doe isn't doing that. And Oh, dude, that's rough.
1: In a shop meeting?
3: Yeah. And, you know, it was at that point that I made the decision it's over. Game over. We're done. And after the meeting, where I got a little heated in exchanges with the ownership, in front of the other team members who were very... Agitated, her. you could tell, but they were not as agitated as me. Um, they were like, "We'd like to speak with you." I said, "Excellent. Let's let's go have a discussion." And it was at that point that they let it be known that I wasn't meeting their expectations, and I let it be known to them that they weren't the shop for me. And I guess they considered that they fired me, and I considered that I quitted. Or quit. Excuse my Arcanese. And (laughs) I immediately left. That's awesome. Arcanese. (laughs) I went and and got a trailer, and I was happy loading my toolbox up at about 930 in the morning. And it was at that day that I decided no more turning wrenches. I'm done. If this is, you know, quote, one of the better shops in my area, there's not a shop I want to work at. Right. And that was the day that I said no more.
0: So... Where are we now? You, you've you've decided you're, you're kind of doing your own thing
3: now. Yeah, so I started my own mobile diag programming and key business, and you know took those skills that I learned when I was in North Carolina doing locksmithing work, the skills I had as an automotive technician, and you know getting extra training like here at Vision, and decided I wanted to go out and do my own thing. You know I saw a need at, at this shop I worked at. They were supposedly one of the better shops in my area. They didn't do J2534 programming. They didn't do keys. And you know I saw that need in my area and decided, whatever, I'm going to go do it.
1: Typically when they say it's one of the better shops in your area, it just means they were in a magazine. That's it. No comment. Were you in a magazine? I've been in magazines. Not good ones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't want to know what kind of magazine he's been in. You've been um, in the magazine, haven't you?
1: I, I think have, you have several times. Have I? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just saying that it it doesn't. So it's what's it's, the defining? It's the no. It's the it's the public perception. Yeah. Right. Because once you're once you're featured in the magazine, obviously, like you're gonna put out. The horse and pony show, and it's going to look a certain way, yeah. right? And it's going to everybody's going to give a certain vibe off, and of course the the magazine's going to then write out a fluff piece about the shop, and then that's all anybody ever sees. They don't see the the dirty underbelly of what's actually happening within the shop, and this speaks really to what a good technician, uh, a very qualified technician that has done their due diligence to be as technically savvy as possible, what they should be asking a potential employer, because if you had if you had asked them, and, and this could be a question, if, how do you handle your meetings? How do you handle negative feedback? If you have a problem with me, how do you handle that? If you have a problem with me and Lucas and Scott, how do you handle that in general? Well, we only have Positivity and shop meetings. Shop meetings are always positive. Always. 100%. Or benign announcements. Hey, by the way, we're doing this now like this. Criticism or issues or needs uh, or areas of concern where you and I have to have a, is always done one-on-one in private. 100% of the time. 100% of the time. And it's a, here's a performance efficiency. Always outlined by a metric. Right, always outlined by metric. It has to be tangible, right? Because uh, otherwise, I, I feel like didn't we have that in one of the comments? It was, uh, it was one of the, it was the everybody goes to flat rate. That's always the answer when yet they have a performance issue. I feel like my numbers are that, that my guys aren't as productive as they should be.
0: I feel. You yep. feel. What what is your what is the minimum level of acceptable performance? What's, what, the goal? what's 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 feel
1: have to do with any of it? This should be a number. My guy is supposed to do thirty two hours a week. And he's at 20. Okay. That's not a feeling thing. That's objective. You're at 20. I need you at 32. You have all of the tooling. You have the opportunity. You have the car count. You should be at 32. There's no reason you you can't be at 32. So how do we get you at 32? That's the conversation we end up having and always in private, right? So you take feelings out of it. So it has to be something tangible. And then we then map out a game plan as to how you're going to reach that. Now, if I have that conversation with you or a technician has a conversation like that with shop owner, prospective shop owner, right? That's how we handle improvement at our shop. It's okay. I can work like this. I'm not going to get called out in front of the shop, the entire shop, when I do something wrong, right? And it's not even looked at as you screwed up. It's at uh, here is the metric we didn't hit. Could be comebacks, could be, you know, could be a safety issue, whatever, Right? But then we discuss it, management to employee, on how we can improve and make this better. There's a process to it. You see what I'm saying? Versus, oh, yeah, we have morning meetings and we discuss what's going on with the shop, good and bad. It's like, okay, what specific behavior? One of the things I, I talk about constantly in like the hiring class and stuff like that is behavior type questions. In the past, this has happened. How do you, How have you handled this in the past when it did happen? In the past, I've been at working at shops where, when there was criticism, it was thrown out there for everybody to hear, and individuals were pointed out in front of the entire shop. How do you handle criticizing individual employees? How, how do you counter the shop that tells you everything you want to hear, though?
0: Right, the, like it, it,
1: it is really difficult for them on the fly. This is true of any human on the fly to one figure out what it is that they want to hear and then be able to articulate that in a fashion because they're, th- this is true of I shouldn't have put this on my <laughs> this, this <laughs> hey you get used to it what you do is you spoilers? drop it under your tongue I'm trying to yeah but it keeps like popping up what what ends up happening is and th- this is true uh, for shop owners because they, they get on the phone with an employee a prospective employee what do you think you're going to do if I'm trying to hire you you want to come work for me, right? You need a job, quote unquote, need a job, right? I'm going to hire you. You're going to present yourself as in the best light possible, right? And you're going to th- you're going to tell me what you think I want to hear. You're not going to really know what it is that I'm looking for, right? Necessarily. So you're going to try to put out all of the fluff piece. I'm really, I'm ASC certified. I learned how to do keys. I can do programming. I'm really a good diagnostician. I can turn lots of hours. I hustle. I know these cars well. And you're throwing out all this stuff here. But really what'll get down to the nitty gritty, even as a good back and forth, is here's the type of behavior I'm looking for. I need you to do X. Tell me in the past where you've done X. They've either they've either done it or they haven't. That makes sense. And if they haven't, then I have to question whether this is the right person for me. And you should do the same thing as the employee. You need to question. Think about all of those bad experiences you had as a as an employee, all of those garbage shops you worked for. What specific behaviors were they doing that then be made them a garbage shop? And then figure out, okay. Well i you know. I don't want to work at a shop that does the X. Tell me in the past where you've
0: done X or how how do you handle X? Well here at this shop we do. I wouldn't say tell me, you know, I don't want to work at a shop. I would just say tell me about a time because if you say I don't want to work at a shop, they're not. No,
1: no, absolutely. I'm I'm just telling you, like
0: if you're not forthright again. <laughs> you can tell this old fella ain't never had to dip a dip of chew in his mouth in his life, <laughs> can't you? <Yeah. laughs>
1: You want to absolutely say that. I don't want to work at a shop that criticizes their employees in front of the entire shop. That's bullshit. That, I mean, that like – like and and, It happens all the time, dude. I it know, happens. And, and, like come to Jesus meetings with the entire shop and everybody's in front and they're like, uh, we can't do this anymore. This happens all all the time. It's, it's even does. worse when they
2: do it in front of the customers. Oh that, that that's, that's, what a blew me away. that's a different level. That, that's a different level. That's what
0: blew me away. You know. and, and like in my shop, you know everybody in my shop, like we have a completely different environment. We're we're family, right? And we BS and we cut up and we, you know, go at each other all the time. But like if it gets serious
3: There's expectations.
0: Yeah, we, we, we pull it aside and we sit down and talk. So you started your own business. Yes. All right. Tell us about you know, you you said Hey, I don't know that this is right for everybody. I see that
3: now. Yeah. Why? What? So, as I said, I was a teacher, right? Yeah. Being a teacher is hard. I had students numbering almost to 20 in a class at a time, and that's pretty difficult. But I'll tell you right now, owning a business, that's even more difficult than that. Yeah. (laughs) So you went from this technical background that you had— to now, you really have to be good at that technical background because yeah. there is no shop foreman. I can't be like, hey, There's shop foreman. There's nobody to back you up. Yeah. And right. then number two, guess who's marketing director? Yep. Guess who's customer service representative? Yep. Guess who's... Financial control. Accountant. Yep. Yeah. And it's all A- of these things. Advertising.
0: And, and HR. And, and you know, <laughs> I think that for me, I agree with you 110%. And I think that when... I figured that out, right? Like, So as a business owner, I went years without figuring it out, right? Like, And, and now there's resources that help us, and it, it highlights the fact that that's the case. But I went years without really acknowledging it. I knew it was the case, but I went years without acknowledging it. And what happened? Well, when I finally did figure it out and reached out and started getting some help and things started happening, my life got substantially better. But, man, if you don't know it and you're trying to swim it, it's a rough
2: ride. You say you you say you you know did that uh, for a long time. You knew it wasn't right, but did you do that that way because that's how you were brought up in the industry? You I, you know, know, product of your environment. You you were trained for. Here's years my that thing: is you got to the way it is. You
0: got to remember that I didn't. I wasn't brought up in the industry. I came from the outside looking in, and and that's the thing that we've tried to get through to Texas. We see so many that go from text to being business owners. I could not imagine going from a, a technical position to a business owner. I, I've done it in my business. But my point is, is that as, as a technician, man, like that is a, it's a big learning curve for somebody who already had business sense. And then to be a technician and become a business owner, if you don't get yourself some education, if you don't get some things to help you grow and begin to take things to the next level, man, it is. It, 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 I mean, and and what what you said really resonates with me for the simple fact that, like, man, it's all on the line, right? Like, at the end of the day, you say well, there's no foreman. Look, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, if I want to eat, it, all of a sudden, we're not talking about getting fired. We're not talking about not getting a good paycheck this week. We're talking about I'm not going to feed my family this week. That's different. That's a different kind of pressure. I, I'm talking about letting my little girl down because I didn't do a good job this week and I made a mistake. Man, that mm. that
3: hurts. Can I hit another point? Yeah. What about losing everything you own because you made a mistake and you're you're burned a car down or you burned someone else's yeah. shop down yeah. and then they're like, Oh, I didn't do that. I had a Ford Escape. I did a PCM on this last week. Someone replaced all the ignition coils and they had to remove the intake and what's under the intake, the fuel rail. Mm-hmm. There was a fuel leak. And whenever whenever I was doing the programming of it, I started to smell raw fuel. It had that car burned down? I didn't touch that. Like, guess who would have started pointing fingers I, at who? I,
0: I I will never forget Paul Danner's Jeep burning down and something he said. Like, he walks out and he's videoing his Jeep burning to the ground. And he's like, I'm going to tell you something. If you're the last tech, if you're the last shop that touched that, that would be on you. Whether you did it or not, whether it was your fault or not, that's your fault. Like, you just own that. You know, and, and how many guys do you know? Me and you have talked about this. How many guys yeah. do you know that don't have any freaking insurance? I,
3: Every time I talk to them, hey, did you get insurance yet? Yeah. And they get tired of me talking about it. But thankfully, I've been surrounded by amazing people like Lucas, and uh-huh. I've been mentored by people saying, "Don't do this without insurance." Yeah. Like step one, become a real business. Step two, get yes. insurance. Yes. You know, doing this under the moonlight isn't the solution yep. to your problems. And if you're a technician, hear me out. Don't go be doing side work because not yeah. only are you risking your job, you're risking your livelihood. We have yeah. a
1: lot of people on the on the. Um, I think it's the flat rate video. Where the guy, they're like, oh, how dare you tell me what I can do in my free time, this, that, and the other.
0: You can do it. As as far as moonlighting. I don't care what they do in their free time. If they want to work on other vehicles in their free time, great. So be it. be protected. Charge what you're worth because if if something happens, right? So, like, it it comes back to the. the, I don't want them doing that. There's
3: an ethics question and a liability question.
0: I want you to hear what I'm saying, though. I want you. I want everybody to hear this for a second. If we start doing side work, and we're gonna, we're going to charge properly, or, or let's say we're going to be cheaper than everybody else, so we get to work right. And then we add in insurance, and then we add in the equipment that we have to have to do it. We add in the years of experience. We add in all of the other factors it takes, and then we start paying taxes. And we're documenting everything, and we're 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 managing it. We've got QuickBooks, or we've got some type of SMS system. We've got everything going. The problem is, is if you're doing it right, you look up. If you're charging less than what everybody else is, you're not making any money. You should have got a damn job. Yeah, you got a lot of stress. You got a lot of aggravation. You got a lot of frustration. You got a lot of heartache, and everything you got ends up on the line. They don't think it's going to. They start as, I'm just going to do this on the side, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows. It's just a dot, dot, dot. Oh, I was just putting that wheel bearing on. I was
1: just doing this water pump. I was just doing the, okay, now the car burned down.
0: Who's on the hook? Yeah. And, and so the the problem is, is if, you know, that guy last night, we were, um, is it Jason, the, the other scholarship winner? Jeez. Possible. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he said, he said, until I listened to the podcast, I did not even know what a PL and l was. And he said, man, all of a sudden, he said, when you started saying that and talking about it, he said, I started putting the numbers on paper. Uh-oh. I thought I was making money. <laughs> like when you put it on paper, numbers don't lie. I mean, numbers are numbers are numbers. Like that yeah. is. He, he may have had cash in the drawer, but he wasn't making a profit. No. Yeah. It was flat. I mean, it, it may have been black, but it was point 0.1, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I think that's what so many people miss when it comes to side work. And that's why I was so hard on you about like, hey, do this like a business, right? And know the numbers right now. I, I'd have a whole lot more money and a whole lot more security for me and my family had I done that when I started.
2: Side work, is that a financial thing or is it a love of working on cars?
1: No, it's always a, almost always a financial thing. Yeah.
2: So if we paid our employees better, there's a good chance that they're not going to want to do that side work.
1: I'm not paying them any better than I'm paying them right now. Thank you very <laughs> much. Sometimes it's family. Like I let them. Like my I let my guys work on family family vehicles after hours. There's an invoice. We don't charge any labor time. Parts are ran through. Sometimes sometimes they're not, but. You know, it's just that cost or whatever. And, you know, I have no problem with that. Let me tell you a story. For family.
2: Lucas, tell him a story? No. Nah.
0: <laughs> I was worried worried
1: edit any of this out.
0: <laughs> I was worried how I was going to get that back.
1: He's got those giant meat paws just oh, pop, pop. <laughs> you had no chance.
0: Is that what he did to Dutch? What's that? Is that I what heard. he did to Dutch? Well, pop, well, pop, pop.
1: I don't, I don't know what you're referring to. Look at the
2: size you're, you're of his hands. Look at those things. He, he, David has an obsession with my hands. Um,
0: they're freakish.
2: Do you, do you, like he wants look how thick those fingers are. <laughs> so they're
1: like, and they're, they're straight. Like, you know, my fingers kind of curve up to a, a little bit of a point. Hey, his do not. They're, so like, listen, my, they're like straight sausages. My they wedding, look like kielbasa's wedding, like
2: hanging off of. My wedding ring is a f- 13. My dad is a 15.
0: Listen, Holy I'm going to tell you something. Mine are starting to get bigger and bigger, and they're going to look like that really soon. But it's all because of the blood pressure problems you're inducing. <laughs> um, so talking about the side work thing, we had a little situation where um, – and, and I, he's okay with me talking about this – where Terry that works for me worked on the girl he was dating at the time's dad's truck. Mm-hmm. and that's, that's almost always what it is. And I, I made it very clear. They came in and they wanted a motor. And I'm like, we should do this through the shop. If he does this on the side, there's no warranty. There's no nothing. There's no. And so um, life happened. He got busy. And the first motor they got um, it, when he went back together with it, it had other problems and other stuff was going on. The truck was a piece of junk. It should have been fixed in the first place. And, and, you know, so that now they've got to use motor. He works on it. He gets it running. You, I think you even saw this truck. It's the one with the PCM issue the day that Dills and everybody came to the okay, shop. Okay. Diag day. Yep. Yep. And so, um, go through everything. The truck finally gets a PCM put in it. Nothing to do with anything Terry had done. It was just like luck of a draw, you know, cause it took forever to get done and, um, go to start it and the motor's blown up. Got this horrible noise in it. And they come in and they're like, hey, so um, we think you should just go ahead and get us a Jasper and put it. I'm like, no. Nah. I was like, it, it's been two years since you bought that motor. It is a used motor. There is no warranty. I told you there was no warranty. I told you I had nothing to do with this job. Well, you should probably pay to fix it. No. this None of this is my responsibility. And it's not really Terry's responsibility either, because you were trying to get something over on him. You didn't want to pay what the job was worth, because well, the truck deal. wasn't worth yeah. doing that. Yeah. And so that's where it comes back to business acumen and, and common sense for the tech. It's just because somebody's going to pay you to do something. like if, if people are running to you to get you to do something. And everybody wants you to do it. should be red flags. It should be a red flag, right? Like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I can't get all the work done. There's a problem. And same thing with <clears throat> shops. We tell them all the time, raise your freaking rates. I, if you're so busy, you're out three weeks. I you're
2: talk, not charging talk enough. talked to a shop owner last week. She said that they were charging $60 die eggs.
3: <clears throat>
2: what? And and people would drive three and four hours to drop cars off there because he, her man is the, the can diagnose anything guy. <laughs> well yeah, at sixty bucks and
0: sixty dollar eggs. How many how many times have y'all heard me on the podcast say that if we charged what should actually be charged to properly diagnose or test an automobile, about sixty percent of the time the client would say, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if we really charged for what the knowledge required to do it, they would they would balk at it. Yeah. And I know that we gotta get on a roll, we gotta get things to come up, I get that. But I think what I'm trying to convey when I say that is, is that So many of these clients, they come to your shop, they come to a a tech, and they're like, I want my car fixed. The way they value the car, you're valuing the car as an automotive professional more than they are. They don't care. They just want a running car. They don't value that. And so if you go out here and you're just killing yourself and you're, you're doing these diags and you're doing the waiter deal like you went through just to get the job, the, the client does not value that. It doesn't mean anything to them like it does to you. And and so if you charge appropriately, guess what they're going to do? I'm not going to fix it. Well, the dealer can't even fix the cars I fix. I hate to tell you, if, if you're telling yourself that, you're lying to yourself. And the reason I say that, it's not because the dealer has the best technicians. It has nothing to do with technical ability. The dealer charges appropriately to test it and find out what's wrong with it. The reason the dealer says no or the reason they t- don't take it to the dealer is they because they can't freaking afford it.
3: And if they can't afford it the dealer, why should they be able to afford it with you? Why are we less than a dealer in labor rate? Because we work uh, on everything. Uh,
0: dude, we should be more. We should
3: easily <laughs> exactly. be
2: more. So, so in our Monday, morning, our Monday evening uh, masterminds, mm-hmm. uh, we had a shop that was – I want to say they were 140 an hour in California. Dealers are in his Oof. area are two hundred to yeah. two twenty, and this shop is a, an award winning shop, well respected at a buck forty an hour. And Mark Perkins said it to himself. He goes, "Man, you guys must do some shitty ass work." Yeah, and he goes, "No, we're great." And he goes, "Then why in the hell are you charging for shitty ass work?" Yeah, charge good. You know, relatively
1: it, 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 speaking, I'm at a one hundred. You
2: know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but you know that that's the thing is you know, you know for California, we're, we're, we're yeah for California even too we're you know they they've been raising their rates, and uh, they never raised them because they were out of fear of not getting the job. They thought they were going to be too expensive. I tell you what,
0: the higher the price, the more we sell. Yeah, yeah, you and know? and the the problem is is we're backed into a corner right now, mm-hmm. right? We're backed into a corner, and we've talked about the fact there's probably a glass ceiling somewhere we're going to hit. But we're backed into a corner because everybody's charging less. And, and you know what I've noticed, and I've heard this happen more than once, and mm-hmm. I've talked to some dealer principals who brought this up that they're they, oh. they are looking at independence on their labor rates, mm-hmm. and so they they take into account what the independents are charging to. You don't think they're shopping you like we shop them to find out what the rates are. They're shopping independents and saying, oh, "Here's where they're at." Guess what? If everybody starts going up, mm-hmm. and Look, I'm not trying to tell everybody. You, you've, got to raise, you've got to set rates on what your business needs to do financially, right, and what you want to pay your people. That's the biggest thing. But I'm going to tell you something. We all, during this period where things are going up, we all need to be mindful of that and at least staying with inflation and staying mm-hmm. with where the numbers are right now, or we are going to find ourselves in a really cruddy spot. There was a whole article pushed on it the other day. I'll share it. Mm-hmm. You know, and right
2: now, if anybody's ever thinking about a rate increase, you couldn't ask for a better time. Yeah. Because it's understood globally or na- nationally that things are costing more. So, if you make a price increase in your shop, it's going to benefit you. And the the public doesn't know what why, why it was. It, did you make that increase to the parts, or was it the the uh, your wholesaler? They don't know why. Everything's yeah. going up. You can't ask for a better time to do it. Exactly. I agree. Everything is
1: going up. So yes. like it you're not making more money, you're just offsetting what you're eating well, or the, cor- the what, correct, but what you're, your costs if,
2: but if you're doing it now, it it makes it yeah. easier you, because you can, people are expecting
0: prices to You can do blend increase. more of that in and slowly yes. come up a little bit a little bit higher.
1: Yeah. you know what the problem is with the uh, fanslows argument? What? On the the, the glass ceiling thing. It, it doesn't take into account the value of transportation, like the cars needed,
0: and availability of available options. I, I don't disagree with that, right? The glass ceiling, I think, I envision in my head is a glass ceiling that's caused by the industry as a whole, Right. Mm. In other words, like... He,
1: his, his argument was this: the yeah, vehicle's oh, only worth so much, so you can't... If the vehicle's worth $2,000, you're not going to spend 10 to keep it running. But, but and then COVID look, hit.
0: We look at our... <laughs> and that Listen,
1: threw that completely out mm-hmm. the window. It's like, yeah, dude, you're not going to find another car at all. Yeah. Spend the $3,000 on this jalopy
0: and keep it running for another year but, but because there's nothing available. We, we don't take into account the cause and effect right so so think about this from a manufacturer perspective like if if we're charging more to fix the car what happens to their prices they're paying attention to this too we think we're just out here on an island they're paying attention too there's I don't, whether it's whether it's know. measurable or not i know they're paying attention to it
1: that's fine that they're paying attention to it but i think at least th- the, the bigger dealerships just charge what they need to charge.
0: I'm not talking about the dealerships. I'm talking about the manufacturers. I'm talking about the dealerships. I'm talking about all of them as a whole. When you look at our industry, we all have cause and effect on each other. For every action, there's a reaction, right? And so I think that while we can talk glass ceiling, I, I speculate that that if, if the auto repair industry started charging $300 an hour across the board to fix cars, what do you think is going to happen to car prices? Well, now, Nothing. I think they'll go up. Why? Because there's more opportunity. It creates more opportunity for more profit. More people will f- will
1: funnel into. But that's only because there maybe are fewer cars available. In other words, if we all of a sudden charge, everybody's charging 500 an hour to work on the car, and the car all of a sudden just doesn't make, it isn't worth fixing this older car, everybody floods to the new car market.
0: So that we eventually run out of
1: new cars. That's, like around COVID. Right. They ran out of new cars. So all the used cars went way up in price. And all of a sudden, that $2,000 car,
0: yeah, put 5000 into it. Right. That's keep what, it running. That's what I'm saying, though, is that 1% to 2% on car prices is nothing at that. Right? Like, there again, you wouldn't even feel the price going up. You wouldn't even notice it.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
0: What do you think?
3: I'm still learning how to run a business. So, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in over all my are. head. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so. No, I mean, we, we definitely all are, right? So, what, what have you taken away from it at this point? What do you.
3: I've never enjoyed working as much as I have. So, owning a business can be a very rewarding thing. It, it can allow you to make the decisions that your whole career you're like, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? You can do that. But the caveat is, is it's all in the line everything everything you own all your business assets if you if you're protected through your business as an organization like an LLC right if you're a sole proprietor it's everything you own right but the reward is so much higher so
0: what's your what's your closing message to technicians and shop owners alike you got one for one in other words one message for technicians one message for shop owners what's the one thing you would want them both to know
3: I'll start with my fellow techs owning your own business isn't the solution for everything so if you get to that point where you the toolbox is rolling, take some deep breaths. Take a week off. Think about it. Run the numbers. Don't yeah. let emotion drive your decision making. Let the numbers drive your decision making. Amen. And then for shop owners, if you truly are in desperate need of technicians, think long and hard about how you recruit, how you onboard, or you know, train your technicians to fit your systems, and how you treat them, because we're people just like you are. And there's some bad technicians and there's some bad shop owners. But if if people would treat others better, it, it might end up with a better yep. situation for all.
0: Amen. I agree. Warren Buffett says you can tell him to go to hell tomorrow. You don't. You don't lose the right. You reserve the right to tell them to go to hell. So uh, yeah. technicians remember that. You watch that. Also, uh, I want robots working on cars. We just need robots that
1: that fixes everything. Hey, I've got a question. Robots. You ever been hitting
0: the nuts with a water bottle? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax deductible. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and on YouTube so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email. My email address is david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.